Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Ann Vandersteel. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Thursday, February 2nd in the year 2023. Tonight we're going to have a fantastic interview with Ann Vandersteel, who I just really have gotten to know her a bit and is just a great person and just so much knowledge, and she's been such a good influence in the patriot movement. So I think you're going to really enjoy that. But you also should know right now that in addition to all that's going on, the attack on our food system is literally getting nuts. I went through a piece today on agro farms. It is a crazy set of, it's a crazy farm system, vertical agriculture, the largest in the world. And their CEO very proudly announced that they have been working with NIH and others to develop vaccine-laden vegetables and produce. This is the company that's also supplying a lot of Kroger, to my understanding. I could be wrong about the supply chain, so be aware of that. But they are definitely one of the big players in supplying a lot of the main grocery stores. And they're not getting anybody's permission. They're literally just going about it going, hey, folks, guess what? We're going to screw up your food and make you be injected. This is one of the reasons we talk so much about growing food and preparing. There's kind of two parts of that. We need to grow food. And we need to prepare for that transition. And this is where Patriot Supply comes in. Patriots, there's no denying anymore our most trusted institutions are collapsing before our eyes. It's up to you and me to act now to protect ourselves. No one will do it for us. That's why I urge you to invest in emergency food before it's too late. Right now, if you go to MyPatriotSupply.com, you can save a ton on their three-month emergency food kit. This is at a new lower price that you're going to want to see. You can trust My Patriot Supply. I do. Their three-month emergency food kit comes packed with great tasting, and I mean great tasting, breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. It averages over 2,000 calories per day, and that's going to be critical as food becomes more scarce. Get at least one kit for each person in your family. Listen, there's not much time. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and save $200 on your three-month emergency food kits while you can. These kits are in stock and they ship fast and free. Plus, they arrive in unmarked boxes so nobody knows you've ordered food. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com while you can. MyPatriotSupply.com. This is one of the best decisions you can make. Definitely is. Now, I'm going to continue with that just a little bit before we start with the interview tonight. David Rosenberg is the CEO and founder of Aero Farms. I misspoke by the name. Now, he is a member of the World Economic Forum, and he's also part of the WEF Global Internet of Things Council. You need to get very familiar with the Internet of Things and the Internet of Bodies. We're going to talk more about that in coming shows, but that is what this foundation of this transition is to create this global prison camp, which they call transhumanism, and they offer it with great little products like Meta and other great things like that. You won't have to leave your home. You can do everything out of your chair in your own self-proclaimed prison. Aero Farms is, was the largest indoor vertical farming facility in the world. Co-developed the first CRISPR-Cas9 gene-edited produce product. Now, why that's important is CRISPR-Cas9 technology, once you get it in you, passes on to the next generation and the generation after that and the next generation after that. Up to our knowledge, it can go on infinitely. All right. Now, hundreds of our following uh, produce product. Okay. So now the National Geographic believes that gene editing is the next food revolution. And Aero Farms also worked on an NIH sponsored trial to produce proteins for the COVID X injection. I'm going to play a couple minutes of this interview or this. It's not even an interview, it's just an advertisement by the CEO. This is nuts. 
Hi, I'm David Rosenberg, co-founder and CEO of Aero Farms. Aero Farms is the leader in vertical farming. We define vertical farming as layer upon layer of plant growth. We grow plants without sun, without soil, and most importantly, in fully controlled environments, which allow us to really understand how to plant growth works and how to scale plant growth to optimize. And the optimization is key for what I'm about to share. And this is how we could be most impactful to COVID-19. As we all know, part of the ability of humanity to get through COVID-19 is to have therapies and vaccines so we could go upon living our lives. And the challenge is to scale the solutions once they appear. And at Aero Farms, fortunately, we've been working on very specific therapeutic solutions and vaccine boosters, as well as creating a platform to produce proteins for protein-based vaccine solutions. And as some background, about 30% of all vaccines are protein-based. So that's where proteins at AeroFarms are part in this solution is to produce the protein that is used as a vaccine or a pharmaceutical ingredient that's manufactured into a vaccine. So first on the specific therapeutic and vaccine booster we've been working with, we've been working with a leading professor who has used these proteins as a vaccine in animals and has gone through preclinical trials with excellent results uh, to provide confidence to a lot of parties to go into now human trials. And we, we are working to be the partner to scale up this solution. And our expertise in growing plants to optimize protein production really aligns with this professor and what he's doing. Again, we understand the, the environmental systems to maximize the proteins which essentially allows us to grow plants faster, to produce proteins faster in a more cost-effective manner. We have the capacity now to do this and convert one of our existing farms. We've built 10 farms, one of which is the largest vertical farm in the world. And we can convert the, the capacity of one of our farms to treat pretty much every American, every person in the United States that has high symptom, has symptoms for COVID-19. Yeah, there's nothing to see there. And I, his, his advising professor is probably Mangala. But there you go. So, I mean, we're, we're literally, is where we get back to is we have to be working towards an independence from this system. We're breaking away. And that means also in the first one of those first steps is growing your own food. And we're going to be talking, you're going to hear a lot of that discussion in tonight's interview with Ann Vandersteel. So before we get into the interview, one last call out, and that's Treadlight. And this is appropriate for this call for this discussion because Treadlight is the broad fork manufacturer I've been telling you about. Their link is below every podcast. Treadlight Broad Forks. Patriots, you need to get tools, great tools that you can use to help grow your garden. And we need to have tools that will maximize the effectiveness and minimize the churning of the soil. It is so critical because we're trying to rebuild that natural biome within the soil to help create healthy, healthy and rich soils that can be disease tolerant in themselves. And this is where a tool like a broad fork, and I think that the best broad fork out there, I've used it now for three years, is a Treadlight broad fork. You can find that link below. Use your BARDS code. There's free shipping. It's great. They're a fantastic product. You're you're going to buy it once and you're going to use it for more years than you probably have on the on your docket with God, but hopefully a lot. So anyway, um, check them out, Treadlight Broad Forks. This is a time to start scaling up for the growing of our gardens. It is, I mean, you should be getting ready now to do starters in certain parts of the region, uh, country. You should be getting your gardens prepped because this is a very serious time. And the only way we're going to be able to get through this is to be, continue to make our incremental moves to break away from this system and to get ourselves free from the matrix. There are so many people that are still locked into the bread and circuses show. If you have any doubt about that, just watch a football game. I swear it's crazy. All right, Patriots, without further ado, let me bring on Ann Vandersteel. Patriots, I am really honored today to have really what I consider to be one of the legend voices in the in, in the Patriot movement, and that's Ann Vandersteel. She is actually in a great space today because she's up enjoying the snow in Colorado, and I happened to catch her off the slopes, and so we're going to just dig into a great conversation and see where it goes. Ann, how are you? Welcome to the show. 
God, I, I got to tell you, when you sit here and you look at the miracles God has created on planet Earth, his, you know, beautiful, beautiful planet that is home to his beautiful children, you, you just have to catch your breath and go, wow, is this real? Am I really looking at this majesty, his beautiful majesty, the tapestry that he's laid out for us, for all of all of his children to enjoy? And it, sadly, we just what we're witnessing is the destruction of God's tapestry worldwide, but at the hand of criminals. And there's only a few of them. They we far we, we by far outnumber them. But, you know, we got to take it in while we can. So thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to sit down and chat with you today. Absolutely. It's going to be great. All right. So tell us a little bit about where you are right now. I know you were saying you're coming off the slopes. So how's the snow? Oh my gosh. First of all, I'm out in Winter Park, Colorado. It is stunningly beautiful. They're having some of the best snow they've had ever. Um, We've been hitting serious powder. I've been working in the mornings and getting out on the slopes about one o'clock Colorado time. So that's about three o'clock East Coast. But my days start at 4 a.m. So that's a fair shake uh, for a, a quick break of some powder. And then to get back and, you know, continue to hit it. But uh, we're enjoying this. The folks out here in Colorado have been absolutely lovely. Winter Park's a beautiful last sort of unspoiled destination of where you can go for a family vacation that hasn't been consumed by Vail or some of the other bigger ski resorts. It's still kind of um, maybe behind technologically speaking 10 years. But I expect, you know, something to happen because it always does. You know, they have to put technology in front of um, family and uh, profits in front of people. So I'm, I'm just praying it doesn't happen here because I, I do enjoy coming here. That's awesome. And let's talk a little bit about an issue that keeps being forced in our face, and that's Ukraine. <laughs> this is this is insane. And, and you and I talked briefly before the show, and, I, and I'm not going to – we're really all on the fence on Kevin McCarthy right now, but he literally opened up the house the other day with a prayer for Ukraine. And, and I just kind of sat there, and I was like, what universe am I in? Yeah, you know, you you have to really wonder. And I, again, I know a lot of people are scratching their heads on McCarthy. And I worked very closely with Ivan Raikland and others that were, um, you know, Lauren Boebert and others that were trying to really get the Speaker Trump passed through. And, um, you know, at the end, as President Trump always plays on his Trump rallies, you can't always get what you want. Sometimes you just get what you need. Well, in fact, it looks like MAGA got what they needed. They got Kevin McCarthy, who has been the kingpin rhino, uh, in chief over there in, in, uh, in, on Capitol Hill, looks like they've got him in a box because, frankly, if he steps out of line by a hair, anybody can stand up and go, you know what, we're going to call him on a vote again. So he has that looming over his head. And it would appear that the only way he got the Trump endorsement was that he agreed to certain conditions. Now, again, I, I've been mystified at some of the people that surround President Trump, such as Susie Wiles. Uh, she is a masterful a rhino, and I believe she's behind a lot of the bad endorsements he gave. You know, the ones that he lost, <laughs> frankly, were her picks. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I, I'm concerned about that. But I also think that he's also, along with all of us, there is an awakening process. And you have to remember, he is in a bubble. And so he doesn't always get all the information. None of us get all of the information. We're outside the D.C. Beltway, so we don't get all of the information. But to that point, um, I, I think it's a wait and see approach. You know, uh, so far, I think what he's done has been masterful. He's basically educated. Um, uh, he is uh, putting forth the MAGA plan. He is getting that going forward. But the part that's concerning is his prayer for Ukraine. I hope it's just for the people that are the unwitting victims in all of this you know, nonsense and not the government. Because if it's the government, then somebody needs to step up and say, we're calling Kevin McCarthy on a vote. That's just my opinion. I think what's interesting is, and I said this last night, this is one of these lines where we, we cannot put our eyes on McCarthy and really, for that matter, on Trump, this is really a, a walk by faith and not by sight issue, right? in my opinion, because we are seeing tremendous shifts going on. But if we're going to start trying to get into the who, the what, there is a there. I can't deny that what McCarthy's doing is significant either way. There's been a massive change. Even we learned uh, just recently from Ivan is that the Capitol is open now as of January 3rd to allow anybody in there, even without ID, you just have to pass a metal detector and you're free to roam. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Since That is incredible, isn't it? Considering I just interviewed Jacob Lang yesterday uh, from prison in New York. He's been diesel therapied 12 times, moved around to different gulags, waiting for his hearing. You know, two and a half years later, he'll get his day in court. Ex- ex- you know, just extraordinary, frankly. But, uh, you know, understanding that a lot of people were lured in there by the FBI and Antifa working together to 
bring, you know, honest people who were there to, you know, use their First Amendment right to be heard and protest their grievances against this illegitimate installation of a regime uh, that is working, you know, co-conspiratorly with all of the other regimes around the world to launder money and, and, and fleece the taxpayer. And frankly, I mean, what's coming out of Ukraine now is, you know, bioclandestine is all over this, as are others. It's just a, a one atrocity after another, and they involve children, frankly. And biolabs and extermination and global genocide. So, uh, you know, it is remarkable that Kevin McCarthy is actually allowing this. In fact, I think some of the other bills they put forward to end COVID to also abolish the IRS and go to a national sales tax. Of course, I don't expect the Senate to roll along with that. But it's good to see that uh, it seems like the American agenda is being put forward. Now, whether Senate will adopt and adapt, that remains to be seen. That's going to be another hard push and a hard sell. And I want to come back to that. I want to dig a little more into Ukraine, but you're right, because I think that a lot of what you just pointed at is our activism, which also leads us importance of what you just said in Ukraine, because we can't sit passively by when we know that there's 40 plus bioweapons labs there. And there's other indications that there's huge bioweapons labs going on in Taiwan as well. Right. And you and you now are in this position of where we have been the, the perpetrator of an of an incredible concept of violence which was literally genocide through bioweapons and this is just leading to rabbit hole after rabbit hole as we dig into this you know it, it really is and I, I reflect back on when what i call nancy three martinis Pelosi and her errant son paul flew over to taiwan do you remember that and uh, everybody thought oh my god they're gonna blow up her plane and you know i will reserve my comments about how i felt about that should it have happened but um, <laughs> hello, we know they're all listening and they're just looking for an excuse. But anyhow, um, yeah. you know, that was the sideshow and the distraction, because where did she end up really going? She ended up going to Kuala Lumpur and having meetings over there. So what does that tell you? You know, there's another place that is also ripe with uh, bioweapon labs and a place that you can kind of off, you know, understand that Ukraine is going to now be fully exposed. You cannot stop what's coming. With that information, they knew the Hunter Biden laptop was out there. It was only a matter of time. And they would have a race against the clock. So these demons, they, they are not going to stop their agenda. They just simply aren't. Not until they're either off the planet or they're fully locked up and secure. But, you know, Scott, I mean, come on. How many times have we seen prison gangs run executions from prison? Right. So, you know, unless these people are not here, how do you stop them? You know, they're just demonic um, so anyway, the sideshow, what I was getting back to is you're right there. We know there's more bioweapons labs out there. And Nancy Pelosi's maneuvers were, you know, essentially sussed out by a lot of good people saying, look at where she really went. This was the sideshow. She was protected to go over there. There was never going to be any harm brought to her. That just simply wasn't going to happen. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, this is the, the horrors of what is being uncovered. And it's difficult right now to get good intel out of Ukraine. But if from some of the sites the indications, and I'll kind of leave it this way, is that Spetnaz is already digging into some of these organ harvesting and bioweapons facilities. And some of that, and that's some of that's the Wagner Group as well. And some of that media is surfacing. I, I will give the Russians a tremendous amount of credit here. Their IO program on this has been rock solid. And part of it is their transparency on what they're doing in there, which is really, really kind of befuddling a lot of the strategies of the other side, which unfortunately we're at the center of. Yeah, we are at the center. We're at the center of gravity for a lot of really bad things that have happened over the course of history, Scott. Um, you know, if you go back all the way into, you know, the early world wars and how all of this, you know, became a, a international banking cabal's uh, rape and pillage of the American taxpayer to finance war and genocide at, just so they could profit from all of this. This has been going on for a long time. This is frankly nothing new. It's just right now uh, we're we're having we're experiencing, for lack of a better expression, that great awakening, where information, thanks to Al Gore's invention of this so-called internet, um, we're able to actually, <laughs> <laughs> as he sits in his sixty thousand square foot carbon blowing footprint of a home. But, um, you know, we're able to actually get access to a lot of information, and because they've been so diligent on censorship mother, you know, necessity has been the mother of invention. And so we've been creative and a lot of incredible people have risen to the occasion to get this information out. So now that we're starting to understand the bigger picture, what do we do about it? You know, that's the question, Scott, what do we, the people not here just in America, but what do we, the people worldwide do about the fact 
we're seeing a RICO criminal syndicate worldwide of global collaborate, collaboration of genocidal maniacs in our world governments that are pedophiles by the most from the most part uh, that have engaged in atrocities that are unspeakable half the time. And you certainly wouldn't want to see images of it because what I have seen are just so awful. It keeps me up at night. So what are we going to do about it, Scott? You know, how do we, how do we, you know, who do we, who do we turn to? And I fact, you know, this is when people, whether you believe in God or not, you're going to have to believe in a higher power. So if you are an atheist, but you've been an alcoholic, there is a higher power you surrender to in your 12 step program. So the world really needs a 12 step program of surrender to higher power to say, you know what? We have to collaborate. We have to work together. We have to understand that something else bigger is going on. And I am powerless by myself. But if I start to reach out to my fellow mankind and go, this is wrong, what's happening to all of us, we need to stand together and unify. And we need to all stand together and say, it all ends when we just say no. And that's where we are. We are getting to that point. And uh, in our small circle, Scott, we've been there for a long time. But it's as I sit here and look at this beautiful landscape of all these great people walking around me, um, I, I think to myself, how many of them are fully in the know of what you and I are talking about right now? And that's what you and I do to reach more people. But how do we get these folks to want to engage and to say, this is wrong. I've got to step out of my bubble because there is future generations coming from me, my family, my lineage that are going to be negatively impacted if we don't stop this uh, calamity, you know, an attack on God's children, which is exactly what this is. It's, it's worldwide. There's a post today in the Gateway Pundit. It's a guest post by Lawrence Sellen. And the headline hits right to what you're saying at this cusp we're in. Slowly boiled frogs have Americans lost their capacity for rage. It's a really big question right now. And this is one thing that I'm finding that there is a, a growing movement to stand. I think the, the challenge that people are having is that they've been indoctrinated so long in the principles that the government will take care of you. These duties are not yours. This is basically a dismantling of the Declaration of Independence, which is government is subordinate to the wills of the people. But we've been so heavily indoctrinated from schools to education to corporate to corporate worlds that the idea of having to stand up against a police officer or in, in against an FBI who's at your door or against an IRS agent who's threatening to seize your, your stuff that idea has been pushed to the fringe. My hope is that with this awakening, that sort of, quote, rage is starting to bubble again. I think it is starting to bubble again. I mean, let's just let's just keep it right here into the uh, United States. You know, by by birthright, people who have been born here and people who naturalize that come here genuinely because they believe America is the freest country in the world. I question that now, to be honest, um, under the current regime and what we've deteriorated into, which is we've lost the republic and we've slid through democracy into socialism, Marxism, communism, frankly, totalitarianism. We're almost there, uh, particularly under the NDAA and, and you know everything that's gone on through COVID and this pandemic they want to perpetuate thanks to Tedros over at the WHO. But um, I, I do believe we have a natural inclination through our DNA the birthright people here for sure to want to be free. I mean, that is the way, reason our country was founded, right? We have a declaration and uh, of independence and we've, we've moved away from what the founding fathers, and it's not the people per se, the people, thanks to, as I explained earlier, this uh, usurpation of our freedom through say the, you know, the 16th amendment, putting a tax burden on people that created both parents having to work turning their children into latchkey kids and that the department of indoctrination being raised to believe in CRT and that they can be anything they want, depending on the mood they're in when they wake up, you know, boy, girl, poster, it doesn't matter. So we've got to get our arms around that and start to bring back civics, bring back the true U S government history uh, and start to um, unwind this nest of, of just mind poison that has become our department of education and remind people that frankly, our founding fathers papers, the declaration of independence, reminds everybody, Scott, that we are endowed by our creator with unalienable, as I call them, rights. And of course, that includes life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But it also goes on to say that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it's the right of the people to alter or abolish it and institute a new government. So it doesn't say every two or four years, Scott. It says whenever. And so we need to grab hold of that concept. Whenever our government isn't serving us, we need to alter or abolish it. We've been trying to, but we've had our election systems, thanks to CISA, a brand new organization, and the Election Election Assistance Commission, EAC, which uses Canadian companies to 
certify our election machines. That's a joke. Uh, machines that were, you know, basically built down in Venezuela uh, and spinoffs thereof. Uh, we need to grab hold of that and say, you know, we're not just going to wait every two or four years. We're going to remove some of these really bad people. But it takes people to come together and embrace that concept, that belief that is self-evident in our founding fathers' papers and documents and run with it. And until people really understand that they are the they have the power and they are the power seat, they are the government. You know, again, we, we have an uphill battle educating people on this. We have to inform them of their rights, the God-given rights, as enumerated in these papers. So this is where we are right now, Scott. That's the mission you and I have. I couldn't agree more. I, I'm going to add just one thing to what you said about the Declaration of Independence, because I think it's it's four words that are not emphasized enough. When you talk about the, the right to throw off such government, the four words before that is, it is their duty. It is their duty. And it's so critical because we don't focus on those. Mm -hmm. We say it's our right, and right gives us an option. It's not what it says. It says you have the right to do it, but it is your duty as an American, as a free citizen in this in this sovereign nation with, with sovereign states, to throw off that form of government. And that's the part in which obviously was really seldom, if ever, taught in civics, but definitely now those words right there actually can tag you as a domestic terrorist. You're right. And I'm, I'm looking at it right now. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same objective evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right. It is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. You know, Scott, you and I have talked about this, and this is the reason I went the, the path of becoming an American state national, because I have thrown off the despotism, which has become the incorporated, all capital, United States government. I've thrown them off my back, and I'm standing as a true American right now uh, under, uh, under God, give, as who has given me my rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and enumerated by our founding fathers in the Bill of Rights. I am standing on the law of the land where people stand. Uh, we have been drugged into the water, into the admiralty law and their administrative jurisdiction, unlawfully so. And the reason they've been able to do that is they've turned our free men and women into, um, you know, uh, foreign corporations. We all have we've all been incorporated through birth certificates and Social Security numbers. And when you have a corporate fictional entity established as your straw man, uh, your your representation of yourself has been usurped into a corporate straw man entity that the government contracts with. And those contracts are numerous. They include social security, they include student loans, they include banking. There's a lot of different ways the government contracts with you, your driver's license, passport, et cetera, that you unwittingly don't realize you have now given up your rights in exchange for those government privileges. This is in fact a, a, a scandal, a, a, a theft of your sovereignty on humankind scale that people don't fully understand. A lot are waking up. It's got 15 million, in fact, in the United States. But we need more. We need more to, to basically restore the republic because the incorporated all caps United States does not represent the republic um, at all. It does not represent what we were supposed to be. Let's dig into this a little bit, if you don't mind, because I love the topic very much. And I've done quite a bit of research around this. You're, you have articulated very well and very clearly a path on this. This is a this movement has been kind of wrought with a lot of division and a lot of pigeonholing is what I'd refer to in, in sort of the information. And you've been out in front to say, look, this is how we go. Mm -hmm. Let me start with just a simple question that comes up regularly. You've been issued, and you showed it to me, you've been issued a, a American state national passport. Do you see that that connects you still to the corporation of America, as others say? No, it does not. And the reason it doesn't, Scott, is I took the steps necessary to disentangle myself. I actually have sent, I have submitted paperwork to the statutory agencies of the President of the United States, the Secretary of State, the Attorney General, as well as the State uh, Department, excuse me, this, as I said, the State Department, but as well as the um, Attorney General and Secretary of State for the state in which I reside and the state in which I was born. And the paperwork that I submitted includes my affidavit of truth, a certiori oath, and repudiation of citizenship. And I've listed my grievances in that affidavit of truth, why I was renouncing my United States corporate citizenship. And I have reclaimed my status and corrected my status as a free woman uh, and taken my uh, name straw man. I've now got control and jurisdiction over all areas of law, the land, the air and the water, which if we all you know, have read the Bible, you will know the Bible is the ultimate law book because God gave us dominion over the earth, which is the land, air, water, L-A-W. 
So I have claimed dominion over those three areas of, of uh, juris. I've also corrected the diction, which is the language that I use in which I um, stand on the law of the land. And uh, if I have to address anything in the law of commerce, which is the law of water, admiralty law. So I, I have submitted all that. And it's what's, I use what's called the unrebutted affidavit process, meaning when I submit my affidavit, they are uh, notarized, et cetera, and sent in under a chain of com- custody through the uh, certified mail. When I receive my certified uh, uh, return uh, uh, stamps, cards, from the entities to which I mailed all these documents to, from 21 days that they don't rebut, that is considered they have accepted my documents. They are not disagreeing. And uh, I then submitted that freedom package. It's called a freedom bundle to the court of record where they uh, accepted and recorded it in the court of record. Now it's certified. It's been recorded. And I took those documents to the passport agency and I filled out the typical U.S. at the DS-11 form that everybody fills out when they want to get a U.S. passport, citizen or not. And I and I selected the box that says I'm not a U.S. citizen. And they issued me a passport reflecting my status correction as a non-U.S. citizen. No, that's great. And how does that affect your, your driver's license and say even buying guns? Uh, actually it doesn't, as, as you know, you can buy guns at gun shows. You don't need background checks. So that's, it does, that doesn't change anything. Uh, you have a 50 state open carry light, uh, uh, you, you were permitted 50 state open carry as an American national. Cause again, we're protected under the second amendment and a driver's license. If you read the fine print, when you go to your DMV for your state, you will see that's a contract and as a law of commerce. Well, I don't drive for Uber. I don't drive for a trucking company or a taxi. I drive for my personal needs. And I am traveling. I'm not driving. I am traveling in my personal automobile. Again, language, diction, words matter. Remember Bill Clinton? It depends on what the definition of is is. So they get it. Lawyers totally get it, especially attorneys. Lawsayers and attorneys understand diction matters. So uh, you are no longer required to use a driver's license. In fact, Scott, I've, test, I've tested this theory out when I was traveling for uh, work several months ago. I had to rent a car. And I didn't bring my driver's license. I used my passport and I used my passport as my travel card. Because if you flip your passport card over, um, it will state clearly on there that is your right to travel by land, air or water. And so, you know, even the government recognizes this. And the uh, State Department also recognizes state nationals uh, as well. So this is not something uncommon. It's something they don't want people to know about because they lose control of their citizens, their municipal servants when you step out of the 14th Amendment citizenship, which was, again, another theft of your sovereignty, making everybody U.S. citizens. When you step away from that, they lose control because you are not under their jurisdiction anymore. And that's why I had to, Scott, this is why I had to leave, because I couldn't stand what our government was doing. I couldn't support it anymore. Um, and I want to resurrect the government that we used to have, the republic, uh, you know, the, the, the republic which had public servants serving as opposed to voted uh, unelected bureaucrats. So we, we have a lot of work to do, but I think it starts with we the people as everything started with we the people. That's what our founding father papers have written. It's we the people. It's not them, the government. What I love about this movement is it's giving individuals power. Yes. And this is this is really big. And, and even if it's an imperfect solution, it is getting us in a direction. This is kind of what you and I were talking about at the very beginning with a, and we won't get into this too much, but just like the 508, A1 and a PMA. We are getting layers to separate ourselves further and further from the corporate America. And in doing so, we're making a movement that can be done individually and not have to be reliant on a collective action, which is really important because it gets back to the whole principle we were talking about earlier is getting people to wake up and stand up together. Yeah. And again, you know, you, you talk about corporate America. What have we learned about public private partnerships? I mean, have we seen a lot of good stuff? Have we just have we witnessed COVID what that public private partnership look like and more? Well, I'll tell you, this is the the funniest part about this is when that name, when that term started surfacing, it was came out of the bowels of the DOD. And I'll just tell you that right now, because I was there when they started yakking about it in about 2010. And it's like, what is this new horizon? Well, that's what's led us to this fifth generation warfare. Quite frankly, this is what we've seen as a byproduct of of public private partnerships. We've seen Elon Musk get wealthy beyond means on, and, and wherever you stand with Elon Musk, the fact is his wealth is generated by, by contracts paid for by the Department of Defense. And Oh, my gosh. Isn't he the largest DOD contractor with the SpaceX program? It's like $850 billion or even more than that now? Exactly. So, I mean, I, I talk about Musk quite a bit only because he's become the new icon of the Patriot Movement. And I'm like, okay, take a breath a minute because 
Yes, he's doing good things. I'm not taking that away. But you have to be careful how far you go down these rabbit holes because of who funds it. That's the bottom line. I mean, ultimately, the Sky Skylink, I think I, I always call it Skynet because it reminds me of Terminator anyway. <laughs> right. Scar- Starlink, yeah. Starlink, yeah, that's it. So, But I think we have to be cautious when we start looking at that because the true sense of the of an independent and a self-made type billionaire or millionaire or wealthy person or successful, however you want to rate success, really is in, in is, I find, is in the patriot movement like yourselves and others that are, are out here. We're pushing the window on things. We're not asking for help from the outside. And we're growing things in the true American sense. So when you start to get subsidies that are looping back in from the American taxpayer, that's not really our founding father's vision. No, it's not. In fact, you know, subsidies really bother me because it is a discriminatory action taken by the federal government saying, well, this group of people is afforded this money and you didn't get a say in it. We never get a say in this stuff. I mean, you look at the pork in these bills. That's why these omnibuses had to stop because the pork in these things was off the chain. I mean, it's just (laughs) a family of four can't even survive on $100,000 a year anymore. This is how desperate people are coming. I mean, the numbers coming out today on the number of people who are living paycheck to paycheck, 66 million Americans. I mean, this is what? And they're making some of them, they're making $100,000 a year, and that's paycheck to paycheck anymore. Come on, Scott. Since when did, you know, this was the country that, you know, people could come here and make something of themselves. And, uh, you know, through the, you know, through the public private partnerships, you've seen just a select group of people become exorbitantly wealthy. And the rest of us are slaves to the debt slavery design that, you know, again, these same international bankers that have put us through all these wars have, you know, got control of us. We've got to break out of this, this mold. You know, I was on my, uh, I lost my credit card. Uh, the last couple since last night, I was telling you earlier. So I was on the uh, app looking for my credit card, and uh, your little app says, "Oh, your FICO score." And I looked at my FICO score. I was like, "Wow, that's really good." And I thought to myself, "That's another way they just suck you in." It's like, "Ooh, you want credit so that you can build your FICO score." Well, frankly, I am never going to buy anything on credit in terms of not paying the debt off every month. Again, I live cash. You know, I do use credit cards because it's a protection. Uh, if you use your debit card and it gets stolen or whatever, but a credit card, it, you know, miles, et cetera. But again, that's another government entity that I've got as I'm in my process of becoming a state national. While I want to use credit cards, I need to do it in a way that I'm not contracting with the with the banks and the government directly. I need to do it through, like you said, a PMA, a private membership association, standing that entity up to have that contract with the credit card company so that Anne, the free woman, is not contracting with the government because I want no entanglements with these people. But I do want to be able they're going to make money available that I can pay off every month. And it doesn't cost me particularly anything. And I get miles. Well, I'll, I'll use their system. They've been abusing me for all these years. Uh, the mortgage, Scott, did you know a mortgage is completely fraudulent? Oh yeah. You are using federal reserve notes, which is a debt instrument to pay another debt instrument. That's considered banking fraud, <laughs> financial fraud. <laughs> well, even in the arrangement, it's a banking. This is an interesting one. I was doing some research recently when we give money to a bank, we deposit money, we're actually loaning money to the bank. Right. So in the exchange, they're giving us a 1% return or whatever you're getting on your savings is minimal or nothing. Right. And then they're flipping that around and then they're making another loan on the loan that we gave them to add an interest rate of 8, 12, 15, 18%, whatever they're doing, and doing that loan 10 times for every dollar put in. Right. So you, you start to see this unbelievable, this is Babylonian money magic. It's all this is layering in and it's locking people into a, a debt circle where the original debtor or, or we'll say the one who extended the money in, ends up being enslaved. And the one who's receiving the money is the one who's controlling the game. That's that's a pretty brilliant strategy. It, it's beyond brilliant. It's uh, it's so brilliant. But just like everything else that these people have conjured up in terms of all their schemes, it's brilliant until you uncover what it is and then you realize, as you said, the Babylonian, it's demonic and it needs to come down. And I think what we're witnessing right now with this proxy war with Russia and Ukraine is really the proxy war between the Western banking money changers, the central banking cabal, and and the people who are recognizing that it's time to break free. And I was reading a really cool article this morning. I, I can't remember who published it, but I put it all over my social media and it was basically calling out um, the fact that the BRICS countries are at war with the Western bankers. And in fact, I believe that to be very true. And I also believe that they're going to win. I think the BRICS nations are ultimately going to win out and they're going to take down the central bankers in some form or another. 
they are getting together. They're already talking about, I mean, Russia and Iran are already, you know, have got their own um, <clears throat> replacement for SWIFT since we've de-SWIFT a number of these countries. And we've done it under the guise that they're the boogeyman, they're the enemy, they're all of this. Well, you know, why has, we, we know Iran has nuclear weapons. Why haven't they used them yet? You know, what, 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 look, we know the border is wide open. These people are coming in. Are they waiting? Is there an uh, on your market set go? Is that what's going to happen? What, what is stopping this atrocity from happening yet? besides God, but the, the money changing has got to, the, the central bankers have got to be uh, taken apart. We cannot live under this money system. We don't have sound money. Our constitution calls for sound money, gold and silver. And what we're seeing is the discussion of blockchain, gold-backed blockchain in the BRICS basket of currencies with a number of countries which represent 65% of the world population. You put that up, I'm telling you what, I'll start you know exchanging rubles. I don't need to be in fake dollars that have nothing behind it. You know, as long as these gold and silver people that are selling it will take my green paper fake currency and exchange it for silver and gold, I'm going to do that all day long because that ultimately for 5,000 years has always been the, the one constant currency, the one constant sound piece of money, not this fiat currency that is so obviously fake. I mean, they just print it whenever they need more, and you and I have got to pay the usury or the interest fees on this stuff. Again, we're saddled with what the government's deciding without our say, and it's, it's got to stop. That is the ultimate taxation without representation. And I go back to our founding fathers are just not only rolling in their graves, they're puking in their graves right now, thinking, how stupid are we? Let me throw something at you. It's just a different optic on this. We know that there's bioweapons labs in Ukraine. We're getting more and more evidence that those same types of labs were in Taiwan and that there's other labs around the world, which is giving us a framing that this is sounding more and more like a blackmail system to keep the dollar in play. That's, that's kind of how I'm mm -hmm. framing this. Um, mm -hmm. As this unwinds and people are concerned about, you know, Russia coming at us or China coming at us, the question, this is where I think the people have a greater responsibility than they realize. In my opinion, if we sit idle and let our government play this out, we will suffer the, the pain that this government is delivering to the world as a reprisal from Russia and China. If we, the people, stand up and remove this despotism, then we're solving the problem that those other countries have to, are trying to fix. I'm not I'm not glorifying China and Russia, but the fact is, if someone puts a bioweapons lab on our border, we're going to go in and wipe it out, and we're going to seek a reprisal. And this is where I think right. it's very hard for American publics to rationalize. This is we were on the offensive on this, right? So when you talk about wanting to wipe out white Russians over on the other side of Ukraine into that area of along the Russian border using biogenetic weapon systems and you're trying and you're likely doing the same thing in China. And then we have to ask a lot of questions. Have they already done it? When you start to look at the, the failings of their crops, the sicknesses in, in the bird flu and things like that, and the, also the wiping out of their, of their pork livestock. I don't know who's doing what here, but what I can say is that when we, the people sit idle and let a government speak for us, we're going to suffer a consequence of that government's actions, whether unless we take responsibility for it. Your thoughts? Oh, this is what I'm talking about with the state national movement. It's taking responsibility and governing ourselves and you know, starting to isolate the evildoers uh, on Capitol Hill and in state governments around our country and frankly worldwide by ignoring them and stopping the funding that starts with you know, shopping in local, you know, local action has national impact, as General Flynn says. It talks about shopping local, supporting local, buying local, growing local, being a local purveyor of, of food, et cetera. But then it also requires us to isolate the people that are creating the problems. And frankly, when there is enough of us, when we're working in, in tandem with our communities, our sheriffs, right, we have to start putting true constitutional sheriffs uh, who have more power than the governor. They can arrest the governor of the state. They're elected by the people. When we start to work in those paradigms and stand up true government of, by, and for the people, now we have the ability to go into a municipality or a county commission's office or the state level offices and start making citizen arrests and saying, you know what, you're not standing up for what we want. You're behind the crimes against humanity or whatever the crimes are. And we're going to stand up a citizen grand jury and we're going to... Um, indict you and then we're going to prosecute you and then we're going to jail you whatever the punishment is 
This has to happen at the local level. This is how our country was run. I mean, Scott, you know, I, I don't, I'm sure you've watched Tombstone. It's one of my favorite movies, right? I think yes. people like us love that movie and we could recite a dozen lines from there. But if you look at how Tombstone was, that's how it was in the old days, right? This is how we governed ourselves. You had the sheriffs, you had the deputies, and they went out and they protected the people. So if we are not going to stand up and start operating in that fashion, and we're going to continue to allow ourselves to be subject to people that don't have our best interests in mind, then we only have ourselves to, to, to blame. But this is a massive undertaking, but it can be done. Like when you say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. We start off with one bite at a time with you know our local communities and organizing in that fashion. And it's really interesting. I mean, did, did you ever pay attention to the uh, Bonds for the Win movement that was going on for a long time? And it's still, it's still out there. It's still under operation. Are you familiar with that? No, no, you have to update me. I don't know. I don't know much about. Okay, this. so bonds for the wind was really um, conceptualized around the local school boards, which I think you've seen. There's been a lot of work around flipping these school boards and getting CRT out, et cetera. And what they were using was every school board member is bonded, uh, and the school, you know, the school board superintendents they're bonded. Uh, taxpayer, of course, pays for all this. Blah blah blah. But you know, if you make a claim on somebody's bond, if you send them a letter and you sign it and it's an affidavit you know showing all of the list of grievances of what they're doing that's you know that they need to change because they work for the taxpayer and they don't change it and you notice them appropriately then you can say and if you don't do these things we will make a claim on your bond well when these people find out that they're responsible for the uh, for the uh what's it called not down payment not copay but um Gosh, what's it called when you have an insurance claim? You got to pay the deductible. When you, yeah, when they find out, they have to pay the deductible on a ten million dollar bond, and that's like a hundred grand. These people kind of freak out. Sometimes it's in the millions of dollars their deductibles. So that's when you get their attention. And this is what President Trump used so artfully when he was negotiating peace around the world and trade. He went for the power of the purse, and he got countries to fall in line. And we didn't have problems, right? We even we even got Kim Jong Un the little dim sum to see the merits and what Trump was talking about when he started showing him condominiums on the shores of North Korea and how it could be a capitalist country and everybody is doing well. So this is the power of the purse utilized and bringing people to heal, to come back in line and listen to what the people really want, not what these demons want, not what these globalist agendas want, not what the few want, but what the many do. And you use the power of the pen to do it. And I think we can instrument the same thing, but people don't understand the process they don't understand really it's not that hard. I mean, they were calling us paper terrorists because we were leveraging this this um, strategy very successfully in school boards all over the country that were flipping uh, and, you know, and eliminating CRT from there and, uh, and uh, electing new school boards. We flipped the school board in Sarasota, Florida, by the way, blue, a blue county. So it can be done, but people have to organize. They have to understand they have the power and they have to have the will. So if we don't get the will of the people engaged, then I don't know how we organize them. You know, going back to Tombstone in just a minute, if, and if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't the wasn't that the Pinkerton group that came in near the end to to deal with issues in that in that, or am I confusing that with another film? There's a reason I'm bringing that up because the Pinkertons were were a private detective agency, and they organized to do a lot of these collections and repossessions of property and dealing with issues for in the West that was had nothing to do with government. They just were run by a corporate hand. It was always the people and the sheriff that either had to stand up to them or get submitted to them. And we're in very much that fight between a, the public and the private has all or the citizen and the, and the corporate has been in play since we settled the West and probably before. So and Pinkerton's is just a good line to follow because as a private detective agency, how they followed, they used to be the heavy hand of the railroad. So we're, we're looking again, it's, it's like what you're talking about here is citizens taking action and not letting the protection of the corporate, which in, this, in your sense, the bond and in other of the, others of these discussions, people have to be able to organize and stand up and overcome the power of, of what the corporate threat because it has nothing to do with our rights. So I don't recall Pinkerton being in Tombstone, but you know I could be wrong about that. But that, for some reason, isn't registering with my feeble brain this morning out here at 8,700 feet altitude. So maybe I... And like I said, I, I could be wrong in that. I know they showed up in another film, and I'm, I may be confusing films. So that's, but I'm just, it, it's always one of these threads that's important because in that Western era, Pinkerton was mm -hmm. a heavy hand of the yes. corporate masters, and they were the railroad enforcement yeah. arm. So 
regardless of Tombstone or not, it's the, the people had to stay together and with the sheriff that was their buffer to this and organize under that. Otherwise, these heavy hands would come in and they were known to rip people off their land, kill people as, as needed. I mean, whatever they needed to do. I mean, this this was literally um, that was kind of the dark side of conquering the West, so to speak. Right. Well, I mean, look, there's a dark side to to history. And it will be a dark side forever. This is the age-old biblical battle. I don't think that's ever going to go away. So for those that uh, don't stand on the side of truth, on the side of, of humanity, of the side of just doing right because you're supposed to do the right things for the right reason, that's the devil at work. And the devil is not is always going to be out there. We're always going to battle that, Scott. So I just see that as, again, it's a matter of reminding people that God gives you your rights. And it's okay for us to organize and stand up for those rights. And if we work collectively together, not in a socialistic fashion, but as in, you know, free people, but come together on a, under, under the unity of the common good idea for mankind, we can eliminate and keep that threat at bay. But make no mistake about it, that threat's always going to be there. And it's up to us to bring back that sense of, of community so that we can work together. What the corporation has done is by, you know, making people wealthy over the past 30 years working in the corporate world, it segregated us. You know, you work for Boeing, you work for Northrop Grumman, you work for AT&T, you work for whoever, and you may have been, you know, promoted up the way and done very well financially, but for the rest of people, it became a way of life and that was just accepted. And I'm not saying people shouldn't work and you shouldn't work in organizations. That's not it at all. But that corporate collective has now taken over, and we understand they're all being rolled up under, you know, major hedge funds like BlackRock and Vanguard, and uh, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, State Street, et cetera. These major hedge funds own it all. So at the end of the day, there really isn't any um, true spirit of competition. It's all it's all a facade, and you know, we've just been turned into little debt slaves to show up and be the minions at work. And again, going back to what Pinkerton did to bring it all back, it's that same strategy, right? It's them versus us. And, you know, the, the corporation was going to try and take it over and make you part of it. And again, the sheriffs who were elected by the people who stood for the people, organized with the people, deputized the people to fight back. And that's what we are up against today. It's the same paradigm. It sure is. You're doing some lectures or you were doing one. It was recently canceled. I know you had one scheduled for Springfield, Oregon. Are those still on schedule? Yes. Springfield, Oregon is very much on schedule. That is outside of the Zelenko Foundation. That is just uh, my personal journey as an American state national. I'm speaking to an audience up there at the Oregon State Nationals Group, um, and that will be on the 25th of this month. I'm very excited about that. But um, the Zelenko Freedom Foundation, for whom I'm president and co-chair with Kevin Jenkins, is an organization that was formed in the legacy of Dr. Zelenko, who asked me and Kevin to stand up an organization in his legacy, in his honor, and we have, and we're on the ground doing some incredible programs, things like what you and I have been having a conversation here. Mm -hmm. We started, a, uh, we've got the Common Ground Campus, which is a program we fund going into college campuses and universities nationwide and organizing the left and the right student body to have a conversation about a topic, whether it's racism or should federal loans be forgiven, federal student loans, et cetera. And it's forcing these kids to have a conversation to not declare somebody's right or wrong, but to find common ground and solutions wildly popular, huge, huge. We have a huge, we have another one coming up in a few weeks in Wake Forest and it's been extremely successful. The other area that we have an emphasis on also in our future is for Zelenko Freedom, our Zelenko Fellows. In fact, we have our first fellow. It's like an intern, Alex Stone. He's covering the Zelenko Report today for me live. And uh, he's a bright, shiny, young star in media who I think is extremely brilliant. He's very rooted in his Christian faith. And he sees everything through that lens and politically astute, can talk about anything. He'd be a great guest for you. You'd have, you have renewed, renewed faith in the future of humanity when you talk to 19-year-olds like Alex. But, um, you know, this is the kind of programs we're working on in addition to public policy. We've got a couple of bills in the state of Florida that are around medical freedom that we work with other nonprofits that have C4 arms so that they can, you know, legislate public policy. And we're providing a lot of the information around that. So it's been... You know, these are just some of the areas of emphasis where we have more incubating new technology, looking for solutions around the uh, vaccine blood pool. How can we get mRNA free blood banking and registries organized? And so we're just working on a lot of projects, things that Dr. Zelenko would have absolutely gotten behind. And of course, the Zelenko report is his media legacy that he really wanted out there as well. So a lot of stuff like that. However, we did have an event, as you were talking about, March 11th coming up that had to be canceled because unfortunately, the 
donor who asked us to do this event last year had to pull out for financial reasons. And so we had to cancel the event. It's unfortunate, but instead of spending an enormous amount of money of what we have collected from donations, we felt it better to not uh, to wait to have something like that of that magnitude underwritten as opposed to using our donor dollars for that. So we're continuing to invest in the programs of which we've got going now. We think that's more judicious at this point. Well, and we'll have to talk more on, because we're doing a big push this year to set up 500 county level podcasters. And I think you and I talked about that previously. Yes. Yes. I, I really want to tie in with you on this because I think you've already, you're getting some young talent. That's my big thing is we've got to spark our, our replacement, so to speak, that, that next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I will be in touch about that, but I'd really like to get you involved with that with us. Cause I think it'd be a it's huge done, part. Okay. done and done. Awesome. Done and right, done. <laughs> so where do people follow you? What's the best place? Best place for me is I'm on social media at Ann Vandersteel, and that's A-N-N without an E, Ann Vandersteel on social media platforms. Twitter, unfortunately, had to make me do an Ann underscore Vandersteel because they never did initiate my other old account, but that's okay. Then you can also find us at the ZFreedomFoundation.org. That's Z for Zelenko, ZFreedomFoundation.org, and you can connect with me via email there as well. I'd love to hear from anybody. And where, when are your shows and where are they? Shows are Monday through Friday. We are live on the Mike Adams Brighteon platform, and then it is uploaded and scattered across dozens of different platforms at 9 p.m., including Rumble. Awesome. Well, and we always close with a prayer. If it's okay, I'll do a prayer. Please, absolutely. Father, we want to bless this day and this this meeting that we've had once again with just another great voice and an amazing voice of someone who is pursuing that righteous place that we have in this nation to reclaim our sovereignty and to do so in your name. Lord, this is a time when we need information. We need people to be awakened to the power in which they have, the, the responsibility as well, that we have to take a stand and to really make the effort to reclaim what was given to us, our sovereign status in this world. Lord, we just ask with the continued blessings that all that Ann does and the continued blessings of all those that hear this message to continue their pursuit of freedom and that true sense of resetting this nation with you on the throne and and the government subordinate to the wills of your people. So, Father, please guide this time. Bless all that Ann does. Continue to protect her and protect those that continue to pursue the, the, the righteous right that we have in this nation. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it's been an this has been an awesome conversation today. Thank you. Oh my gosh, Scott Kesterson, you are just such a legend, and I am so honored to seriously join you. I followed you for a long time, and the first time I ever heard of you was General Flynn was talking about you, and I said, "Who is this guy?" And I started listening to your podcast, and I said, "This is somebody who speaks my language one hundred percent." So it's been a true honor to um, speak with you today. Thank you. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me on your show last week. That was awesome. Um, and and I, you're going to go back out and do some skiing today, I assume? Oh, yeah. My family's been blowing up my phone the whole time. One American News called <laughs> wanting an interview. I was like, sorry, guys, I'm going to have to call quits and get on the slopes. It's my one day off this week to enjoy with my family who's all in town. So I'm, I got to take the opportunity. <laughs> well, enjoy enjoy global warming at its best. That's oh, my gosh. Epic, epic conditions here. <laughs> if, and if this is global warming, I'm going to take it. I'll drive my global That's warmer awesome. to make sure we we make sure we get these conditions every year. This is epic. <laughs> That's great. Well, and thank you very much. Have a very blessed day, and we'll be talking very soon. Thanks, God. Okay, God bless. God bless. Well, Patriots, that was Ann Vandersteel, just a great person and just a true patriot. She has worked just tirelessly, like, like a few others, and just to keep this message going and to try to offer a path forward. And it's it's really refreshing because she she is solid in what she does. She's and she makes herself very available. Um, and it's just amazing. So I'm really blessed to have her on the show and I just really encourage you to follow her. She's on Brighteon TV and then she's got these, uh, the Zelenko report as well. So on, and the Zelenko foundation, she works too. So it's really good to check that out. Anyway, I'm very glad you were here. Thank you. It was a great interview I had with her and I hope you enjoyed it. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us and God always wins, but he has us here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ, occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy mission forward. Patriots. I'll see you tonight for fishers of men until then, or until the next time 
God bless, and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs>